Welcome you into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptel, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Alan Medlock, Red Dirt Redbird at A Medlock one on Twitter. And joining us this week is Ryan Fagan from the Sporting News. You'll find Ryan at, at Ryan Fagan on Twitter. And Ryan, thanks for joining us and uh, glad to have you. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, and, you know, Sporting News has has a cachet, especially in baseball circles. Um, tell us about what you do there and how you got there. Well, I mean, I, I grew up in, in suburban St. Louis. So, you know, I, so the Sporting News was the first um, the first subscription that I had on my own. Mm. The first one that came to my house that said Ryan Fagan on it and not um, something else. So, <laughs> it, you know, it was always a big, a big thing. Uh, to read the magazine and uh, to be there now. I mean, I started in October of 05. So we're, we're, we're past the 15 year mark. And wow. that's kind of, that's a little bit surreal to a, a St. Louis kid, um, but it, it's been great. I've done a little bit of everything there. I was hired um, in 05 as an assistant editor on the magazine side. And one of my first assignments was fact checking the NASCAR page, you know, so it's <laughs> awesome. I, I mean, I've literally done every, there was one, um, I would fact check the NASCAR page and uh, we called it first edits. And then the same thing with the college football and Matt Hayes was our college football writer, you know, and Matt is great and he's so plugged in. And I remember one time he wrote a story about this kid who had transferred from a Juco to, uh, I think Tennessee to play quarterback. And in that article, he wrote that, you know, to show he was serious somehow Matt tied it into a pretty dramatic haircut the kid had gotten his second year at Juco and I couldn't find that anywhere. So I called the coach and I was like, <laughs> did this kid really cut his hair to show he was serious? And the guy's like, yes. Why, why would you need to check that? I was like, I don't know. It's a fact check. So, um, yeah, so that, that's, <laughs> that, that was one of my, one of the first phone calls I ever made on behalf of sporting news was, was that. Wow. That is, that is fun. Um, were you there? Was it still the oversized newspaper when you started it out? It wasn't the newspaper. It was the the glossy. Um, I was there when it was. Um, it was a it was a bigger one. Then we went to a smaller, and then we went back to a bigger one for the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's gone through a sporting news has gone through a lot of changes. Uh, five five different owners now. We just have a new owner uh, who basically is still in the process of taking over. I guess he officially took over his group at, at the beginning of the year. But, and I, I've told a lot of people this and I'm not just saying it like this is as excited as I've ever been um, for a new ownership group and a direction and a, a future of the company. So it's, it, it's pretty cool right now. Hey, what is, how do you pronounce the new ownership group? 
You're thinking of the zone, and that's the previous owner. The previous one. Okay, I wasn't sure. I, there was, yes. you know, I, there's some boxing fans here in town at one of the facilities that are working. It's, it, I didn't realize that was the owner at one point until yes. I kind of did some background work on it, and I thought that was funny. And then I was like, I, I don't remember how to say it, and I could probably settle an argument if 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 I could. Yes, it is. It is definitely like D A Z O N E. Okay, cool. Now, why they did that is is beyond me and I, I don't I can say that now. <laughs> but, but that's that's how they did it. So did you get to cherry pick the uh, where you are now as in the, the MOB editing and the college basketball? Yeah, I mean the one thing that we've we've always had really good editors and like senior editors at SN um, and they've allowed us to whenever possible to say, okay, this is what I would like to do. So, you know, being there as long as I have, um, I've had a lot of time to kind of, you know, decide what I like doing and, and the freedom and ability to, to to do that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, um, I've kind of figured out this little combination. And really, to be honest with you now, I, I'm, it used to be that I was <clears throat> pretty much 50-50 college hoops in the winter all day every day and then baseball in the summer all day every day. Uh, now it's more along the lines of ninety <clears> percent <throat> baseball, and then write a little college hoops when you know the the tournament is about to kick in. So um, yeah, there was a time that you know I was I was going to I mean all kinds of, of basketball games when I lived in Charlotte. Um, yeah, I would go I would go all the time, and not just to the you know Duke Carolina and, and those. I would go to I mean I was a regular at Gardner Webb. Um, when Chris Holtman, who is the yeah. coach at Ohio State now, uh, when when Chris was the head coach at, at Gardner Webb, I'd go there and watch a game just because, and then talk to Chris afterwards. You know, he's a really good guy, and it's, it's been cool to see the success that he's had. Yeah, that's awesome. The uh, I honestly I knew that you dabbled in it a little bit, and we've had Twitter conversations about college hoops and whatnot. And uh, but until you did the shows with Raby. The yeah. last couple of weeks is when I realized, I was like, you know what? I didn't realize that uh, you were so involved in it, you know, so that, uh, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's rare here is, is, I mean, being in Oklahoma, you know, I'm a huge baseball and college basketball fan just yeah. because my roots are in both, which is odd because, you know, football is the dominating sport around here. So we get a lot of the big 12 stuff. I can only imagine being in North Carolina, you know, how, how much of the ACC uh, you were, you know, that you got to witness. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty cool living out there. And you know, the first time you you go and cover a game at you know at at Durham and, and um, Cameron Indoor, and you're sitting right there, and the students are you know kick kneeing you in the back of the head and dropping <laughs> elbows on you unintentionally. It's it's quite the scene. Let me let me tell you that. That'd be awesome. You know, we're lucky we have Gallagher Iba here, which is a, which is yeah. it is incredible. You know. It, arena but i can only imagine some of the uh, duke carolina wake forest situations um now I, you you moved back to st louis just a couple of years ago so were you down there covering the acc at all whenever virginia was at the top of the baseball game uh virginia baseball yeah no i didn't really do much college baseball um, okay. it was just just pretty much the basketball that's awesome. Um, I was cool. there. I was there courtside when Virginia hoops lost to UMBC, though. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that's, that's yeah. That's not what Virginia people want to hear about. But um, yeah, no, I was there for that. That was that was the scene. 
That's yeah, awesome. I think I was reading that article of yours today, you know, looking up some stuff about how you yeah. were able to write a, a final story so early on on a 16 yeah. and one upset. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. Not, not that you guys want to talk about this, but I, it, it's gotten to the point that the, the upsets that I've seen and covered live in the tournament we, we call it the Fagan jinx. <laughs> it, it's crazy. I've seen, I've been courtside, right? Before Oral Roberts beat Ohio State, there had been nine games. Wait, is that right? Nine, yeah, nine games where a 15 or a 16 had won. And I'd been there for 33% of them. Wow. So I was for Lehigh Duke and I was there for Middle Tennessee over, um, uh, over Michigan State, which actually was in St. Louis, um, and like I was at a site in Tampa one year where there were two 12 seeds and two 13 seeds that won. Um, I mean, it's just it's crazy. It it got to the point that when I was covering the tournament every year, because so many crazy things would happen when I was at games, my friends would ask me what site I was going to, <laughs> <laughs> right? And it was a smart strategy because something crazy happened. Every time, and it really was like when, when Wichita State beat Gonzaga when the, the Zags were number one seed, um, and the Shockers wound up going all the way to the final four. I was, I was there, you know, it was just like crazy stuff happens all the time. It's, it's a lot of fun. I missed, I missed covering the tournament this year, and, and a lot of people asked me if I was going to be at you know at, at Mackey or at, in, at the different at Hinkle, but I, I did not cover it this year. Well, how, how tough is that to cover this year? I mean, I'm sure that's got to be in, incredibly hard and limited. It is, from what I understand. I mean, we're still in the, um, we're still not really traveling to to any no. yet. So I didn't even ask about uh, covering this year's because you know, quite frankly, it's just at this point, it's still it's still not worth it. Now I have been vaccinated the first round, but no. I know that was going to happen. So yeah. Well, I think uh, <laughs> as an Arkansas alumni, I'd prefer that you not even watch that game. Um, now, up. watching it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> okay, only, well, that's good to know. It's good only know. if I'm there. Uh, only has to, well, don't, don't take a late trip. So, um, <laughs> you're, anyway, you're I won't be doing that. So, you, you grew up in St. Louis then. Um, I, I mean, it kind of defaults, and I assume that you grew up as a Cardinal fan. You, you don't grow up in St. Louis loving baseball without mm-hmm. having a pretty strong indoctrination into the, the cardinal way of life. There's no doubt about that. Do you have what? What are some memories of of growing up in that area? I mean, you know, Alan and I, of course, yeah. way off from there. So to be yeah. there on the ground, I mean, it was to the point that like we lived the the, the, um, the neighborhood we lived in was in suburban St. Louis, across the river, um, in St. Charles County, and. We lived in a a neighbor a street that was kind of a a big circle. That anyway, you couldn't it wasn't a through neighborhood, right? So you didn't go into the neighborhood unless you were were you lived there, or you were visiting someone there. So there weren't a ton of cars. We could ride our bikes when I was when I was you know, ten eleven years old. We could ride our bikes around the block, and you could listen to the Cardinal game the whole way because mm-hmm. people would be sitting out on their front porch or their back porch, and they'd have wow. transistor radio turned up and you could literally just ride your bike around and never miss a pitch. And you know, that's what it was like growing up there. Um, and that was, that would have been in the, you know, the late eighties at that point, but that's, you know, that's, that's how it was. You know, I mean, that's what it was. I remember when, um, you know, I remember the, the go crazy folks call. I was watching that when, when Ozzy Mm -hmm. Smith corked one down the line, 
Mm-hmm. When, when Jack Clark hit his home run that clinched the the series in 85 against the, the Dodgers, my buddy and I, we just got out and we didn't know what to do. We were so excited. So we just ran out and jumped on our bikes and started running around, driving around, riding around the neighborhood going, the Cardinals won, the Cardinals won. And, <laughs> you know, nobody looked at us like we were crazy because everyone was watching it too. So. Sure. Sure. That's that's awesome. And then I assume many trips to the stadium. Yeah, you know, we actually um, – I was a little annoyed at um, at McGuire in 98 because mm-hmm. before then it was a kind of a lull, you know, mm-hmm. um, in, in the early 90s. And I loved those – I loved those – love watching those teams. But, you know, it, the attendance wasn't what it is yeah. and has been. So we could go down. We figured out, like, the parking meters in downtown St. Louis turned off at 6 o'clock. You could go down, park on the street for free a couple blocks away because there wasn't too many people. And then you buy a bleacher seat for five bucks. And the bleacher seats at that point were first come, first serve. They, they weren't numbered. So you just could go as close to the ballpark as, as early you got there because they didn't sell. They didn't go on sale until two hours before the game. So we would go and park for free and buy a ticket for five bucks and watch a baseball game. And then when McGuire got there and started hitting home runs, batting practice became a thing. And then you couldn't get the tickets. And then they started selling them in advance and numbering them in. It was all kind of history. So we were all we were a little annoyed at him because of that, um, because it ruined our cheap and easy free card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I guess the the home runs helped make up for it a little bit. So yeah, yeah. Um, transition a little bit as well. I did go back to to your writing at, at Sporting News. You were also a Hall of Fame voter. Um, yeah. For yeah. what last five years or so? I, I have voted five times. Yeah. What's that like? It is. Um, it's the it's the coolest thing in my career. Um, it, it really is. It it's. I remember when I when I interviewed at Sporting News, one of the guys who did one of the interviews was a Hall of Fame voter, and he asked me what I thought about the steroid era guys, mm-hmm. and what what I would do if I ever had a vote. And I just remember thinking, I'm never going to get a vote. What a, <laughs> what a, what a, what a, what are you asking me that for? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's heavy. It, it is, you know, I know at some point in voters careers, they may not take it as seriously uh, as they once did, but that has not happened to me yet. I don't see it happening ever to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, the last couple of years before I, before I got that vote, I will, I had a, I had sleepless nights every time I tried to figure out what I was going to do with the guys like Bonds and Cummins and whatnot. And yeah, it was it's cool and it's it's cool to you know again as the St. Louis kid earn um, a vote by you know representing Sporting News at ballparks. Mm-hmm. You know that, that's a cool part of it. Yeah, the I had this question before uh, before you started talking about it, and it's about the Hall of Fame vote and. You know, I know there's a little bit of controversy around it just because the votes are so um, public now. Yeah. Um, the passion in your voice when you said that kind of <laughs> makes it embarrass, embarrassing for me to ask this question. But would there be any would there be any benefit at all to maybe a three on one off like term limit of voters type situation to eliminate some of the. The negativity or the the outright just not voting for someone or leaving the blank ballots open would there be any benefit to that at all or is that just one it's earned you can do whatever you want with it 
I think there's an, an element of it's earned and you can do what you want with okay. it. You hope that, the, that it's taken um, as it should be. You know, and I say that it's also not life and death. You know, I don't want to make it out to be something that it's, it's not. It's a really cool thing. It's a big honor. It's a big decision. But we're not, you know, we're not dictating health care policies and whatnot here, you know. There was about, I want to say four or five years ago, there was a, a culling of the voter roll. Because it used to be that once you hit 10 years, that's when you get your vote. When you've been a BBWA member for 10 consecutive years, once you get the vote, you never lost it. You know, so if you got the vote at, you know, 36 years old, you voted and you lived until you were a hundred, you, you could, you could vote until you were a hundred, you know, even if you'd retired. So they changed it so that, you know, after I think 10 years of not actively, actively covering it, you lose the automatic vote and you have to kind of apply and they can, depending on what you've done, how close to the game they can decide. And it's the hall that does this, not the BBWA, um, decide whether you still get a vote. So I think that, that cut, I, I want to say like 150 people off. And some of those people, probably deserve to lose their votes and some of them didn't you know there were some people that still really took it seriously and and loved it and did the research and knew what they were voting on uh, i do feel i mean it's not a fair shake for those people but i think overall it probably um it cleared off some of the voting rolls as they should have been cleared off do you have any uh do you have any uh contact with the hall the hall the the the, the people that run it and stuff like that? Um, you know, there's a media director um, mm. you know, in contact with so, somewhat regularly, you know, if I have a question, you know, because Sporting News is connected to the hall, you know, pretty, yeah, yeah, pretty intrinsically. So, um, you know, so I, you know, I'll, I'll I've talked to the, to the guy who has it now, John Shasta, I always pronounce his name wrong, Shasta is what we call him. Um, so him and then the guy who did it before, Brad, Brad Horn, um, you know, deal with them and talk to them on an email. And when I see them at the ballpark, um, when, when I need to, I have questions or I'm working on some sort of story that'll involve them. So, or like there have been times when I've, you know, somebody will tell me, Oh yeah, this is in the hall of fame. Well, maybe, I don't know. You know, a lot of people <laughs> say that. I'll, I'll email them like, Hey, is this really in the hall? You know, before I write it, you want to make sure it's accurate. So, right. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think I've met Brad Horn. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. There was, there's a, uh, there used to be a yearly deal for a season ticket. I have, I've had season ticket holder season ticket to the drillers here for, for years. And okay. there used to be a, uh, a, like a yearly dinner that you could get into, you know, for an upcharged price or whatnot. And okay. I went to Whitey Herzog one year and I went to Ozzy one year and I, I'm almost positive that Brad Horn was there with Ozzy. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that was pretty cool. And that, that's why I was asking because the people that I've had contact with are just really good people. And you can oh, tell yeah. it's, I mean, it is the gold standard. You know, what I've always seen is they, they, they every year they have a, um, a yearly internship. And I've always thought, man, if I had known about an internship, <laughs> Hall of Fame yeah. wasn't college, I would have, <laughs> that would have been like the, the absolute dream thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm sad that I did not, I mean, I, maybe they didn't have it back then. I don't know, but. I wish that would have been something I could have done. That would have been pretty cool. Was journalism your um, – did you know what you were going to do the minute you stepped on campus? Excuse me. Um, not really. Uh, no. I, I, I loved it. You know, I loved the idea of writing. You know, I grew up reading Rick Hummel in the pages of the Post-Dispatch and 
you know, Bob Bragg was still doing some stuff, I think at that point, you know, so you read that and you knew that that those were the people that kind of, you know, and it was different back in the day too, because there was really not a whole lot of ways to get information. So I did love that. And I did want to do that. Now I can't, I'm not going to lie and say that that was my sole focus. Gotcha. If that was my sole focus. I would have, you know, gone to Mizzou in undergrad and that would have been everything I did. But, um, yeah, so, uh, but once I, you know, got towards the end of undergrad and um, started looking for jobs, the the writing jobs are the ones that, that made the most sense. And so, yeah, you know, I got, I got hired at a paper outside of St. Louis to cover high schools and minor league stuff. And that uh, stayed there way too long. <laughs> um, to go back a little bit to your Hall of Fame voting this yeah. year. I, I checked, uh, I read your ballot, and of course you had a chance and did vote for Scott Rowland. Yeah. I mean, not that, I don't want to say that you were going to vote for him because he was a caller or anything like that, but was there a little bit of extra, you know, maybe a little bit of pride to be able to cast that vote? Um, you know, I, I mean, to be honest with you, no. Um, I think that, uh, I'll say this. When I, was, when I was covering that first job, covering high school sports and minor league sports, my brother was a high school athlete and he played, he was really good at football and he played on the basketball teams, ran track and stuff um, to try to, to distance myself from covering his games and to take, to take an objective look at what he was doing and his team was doing. It was really kind of a lesson that I, I feel like hit home. There is like, you can, you can have an interest and you can have a preference, but there's a way to look at things in an unbiased fashion. Um, and I think that's how I've always, you know, cause I always said, if I, if I can detach myself from covering my brother, scoring a touchdown in a game that, you know, I mean, and the thing is, is like yeah. the team that, that he was on by his senior year was, it was he, Seth and a couple other guys who had started the sophomores, you know, they won their first district title in like 17 years, the first conference title in, you know, 16 years. So it, it was a long time coming for that school. Um, so if I could detach myself enough to write unbiased from there, you know, a major league franchise that I have a real connection to was, e was easy enough to, to detach myself from. And so it, you know, I mean, it, 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 it honestly didn't really make any, um, any impact. The fact that he had you know, done what, did what he did with the Cardinals, which was, you know, great stuff. Yeah. And I, and I, I will, I'm not surprised at your answer really. I, I know I've heard Derek Gould and, and others that cover the team really yeah. talk about that separation of, you know, what you might be as a fan versus what you are as a, you know, impartial writer. And, yeah. it, you know, as, you know, bloggers, it's, it's a little hard to, to get in that mindset, but you know, I guess we've once, been doing you, it for once so you figure long, that out and like, you know, I think mm -hmm. it, it, we've been doing it for so long that it just yeah. becomes easier, you know, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. It just becomes easier. The other thing that we have to talk to you about before we talk about anything that might be Cardinal related is your Twitter feed is a, mother load i guess is a way of, of baseball cards <laughs> yeah um it, talk about you know one why you decided to be so involved with that and what's your favorites well i mean it's I, i've always loved i've actually 
as as we're, as we're talking, I found a couple of sets of um, 1986 Donruss highlights, <laughs> $4 each. And I, I bought one, I looked through it and there was a, there's a Bo Jackson in there from 86. Ooh. And I opened one and uh. like, that's in really good shape. And um, so I went, <laughs> there were $4 each. So I went back and bought like 10 more, you know, went, oh, <laughs> yeah. to see if there's any like in pristine shape. Um, but now I've, I've always loved baseball cards. I, I, I collected a ton when I was a kid, you know, I went to the big card shows. There was a, there was a show in, um, in downtown St. Louis. It was like a national show or something. And on that one day, I, I won a door prize. that was a Lou Brock autographed baseball. I opened a Frank Thomas, 1990 leaf rookie card. Wow. And Muhammad Ali gave me an autograph. Um, <laughs> and I was like, this is the greatest day of my life, you know? So, uh, you know, last year, about a year ago in February, I've, I happened to stop by somewhere and I was a box of 1991 upper deck and, like for 10 bucks, which now they're selling for like 115, which is ludicrous. But I bought it for like mm-hmm. 10 bucks and I opened a pack and there was a bunch of cards in there. I was like, I, was, I thought to myself, I was like, you know what? I have stories like for each one of these guys, like things that I remember about each one. <laughs> and then so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put it on Twitter because I bet other people have stories too. So I just laid them all on the table, took a picture and said, tell me a story about one of these guys, right? Not thinking anything of it. It was a Friday night about like eight o'clock or something. And just I, like immediately these stories start coming in and people are like, you know, Milt Thompson was one of the cards. I'm like, you know, I met Milt Thompson at an autograph show one time and, you know, he was super nice and I've always been a fan and there was all these things. And what, what was amazing to me is one of the cards in there was Ken Griffey Jr., right? See, Griffey mm-hmm. Jr., you know, that's a card you'd like. I bet of like the 60 replies, 70 replies, one or two people mentioned Griffey because everyone else was talking about the stories that they had. And, you know, there was somebody, I think, I don't know if it was that Packer or a, a follow-up that said, you know, like this guy hit two home runs in the last game that I ever went to with my dad before he had a heart attack or something like that. Oof. You know, like wow. these, these connections that people have with, with those players and those cards, it was just immediate to see. I even told my wife like 20 minutes later, I was like, I think I found something here. Right. So I, I, since then, um, I think that was, it was actually, that's right. It was Valentine's day last year, which I should have not been playing around baseball. <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, so, yeah, I told her, I was like, this is, I think I got something here. And so I've been doing it pretty consistently since then. And just, it's kind of developed a nice little following. It's fun. And, you know, Twitter can be a, a horrible place. I mean, you guys know that it, it can be just awful. Yeah. It can be horrible. Yeah. Um, but that is kind of a, it's, it's a nice, selfishly, it's a nice little bright spot for my day because I get to hear people's stories and people read through the comments and they get to read other people's stories. And it's just, it's cool. I, I, I enjoy it. And um, sometimes I may spend a little too much time on it, but you know, it's, it's been a it's been a crummy year, you know, for everybody. And, right. Yeah, right. Something every day that you know brings a little smile to your face is it's 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 been pretty fun. Oh yeah, I think it's fantastic. I mean, that's kind of how you and I were were connected. Yeah. It was I could tell that we were in the same age just by some of the uh, the sets in the years that you would show. And I was thinking, okay, those were in my heyday too, because I remember that first set of upper deck. That was, mm-hmm. it, that was top notch, unbelievable. You know, when they came out as their own cards. And then of course, yeah. you know, you have your 87 tops and all those. And 
and we kind of did the same thing. Me and a uh, and my best friend, we would go to to surrounding card shows and and do the same thing. Dallas, I remember going to Joplin. I we were at a. I can't remember if we went to a card show or not, but we went to a, a Cards Braves game in '93, and I remember that uh, it's a funny story. I'd actually written a blog post about this, where the uh, the Braves were up nine to nothing, and you know we're a six hour drive from Tulsa to St. Louis, and uh, my buddy's mom made us leave, and we heard the comeback, <laughs> the nine run comeback on the way, and my buddy was just livid the whole time at his mom. For uh, making this drive all the way back, so though it, it brings back a ton of memories, and and that had when you asked me to write for that uh, a few things about a few, uh, some sets that you'd posted oh, yeah, yeah. in one of your sporting news posts. I remember I sent that to my buddies and whatnot. I said, "Hey, would you guys agree with some of these things? Because these were the ones that we grew up with, and they were all fired up about it. And that was <laughs> awesome. right around the time of the quarantine, you know. And so the stories start passing around, and you remember having these. And a buddy of mine actually left. He went through his storage unit to find his uh, Griffin yeah. Jr. rookie card in the upper deck and, and brought another whole bunch of stuff up. Um, I, I'm, going, I'm being real long-winded on this. Now, right around before the, uh, the start of quarantine, his uncle, who kind of got us into baseball cards, passed away. Uh-huh. And so he had inherited some of those. And, and, and he's got some pretty cool Cardinals uh, awesome. cards from then that actually got us going on this in the uh, – you know, in the, in the mid eighties and whatnot. So, so yeah, I, I can completely see where this connects with people. I mean, it did, I mean, I'm from a town of like 2,400 people and we were able to get a huge conversation going on just your one post. So see, that's the kind of stuff I love, you know, and it's just, I don't know, to get people to, uh, you know, and you, you, cause when you, I mean, that's part of the thing with the, the pandemic is everyone was looking for, okay, well, what can I do that that what what made me happy at one point in my life, you know, and it's yeah. cards that that did that. Now that's driven the prices of the cards just ludicrous. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You know, I mean, like I bought I bought a bunch of stuff at um, the beginning of the pandemic. You know, I I had I had started after a, that that post in, that first pack of the day post in February. Um, I started buying some other stuff and going around to other card shops and and whatnot, see what I could find. And then I started buying stuff on eBay and then I stopped because I bought too many things and I was like, I'm not buying anything. <laughs> and then yeah. I remember like one of them was like, I bought, I bought two more boxes of that 91 upper deck and the, the total including shipping was $23 for those two boxes. I looked uh-huh. at, um, and I, I think I put this on Twitter about a month ago or so, the same two box lot of, 91 upper deck. Now that's the one where the, the Jordan single print is the SP. Yeah. Um, like a two box lot was selling for like two fifty. Wow. And I'm just like, that's part of me wishes I would have known that that was going to happen. I can't say I'm very smart about this stuff. Cause I'm going <laughs> to it through a, a nostalgia lens. So I'm like, you know, I'll pay $20 for 36 packs of nostalgia. Right. Um, I wish I would have looked at it through a, a, a different way because I would have bought <laughs> eight boxes of those and kept six of them and sold them to finance the whole thing. But um, that's okay. You know, it's all, it, it's all, it's all about trying to have a little bit of fun. That's awesome. Well, and I noticed you, you, you bought the book of the, the wax packer. You got the book. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you've had a chance to go through that, but I think you're going to, I mean, cause it's basically that in living form. I mean, yeah. you know, what yeah. you're talking about is going with a pack of cards and, and talking to those players. So it's a, uh, I think you're really going to enjoy that. <coughs> That that's a book that 
the first time I, yeah, cause I haven't read it. It's actually sitting right here. Two feet away from there. I got it a couple days ago and, um, the, the tournament was on. So I, mm-hmm. I watched the tournament instead of reading a book. Um, but it, when the first time I heard about that, my first thought was that's really cool. And my second thought was why the hell didn't you think about doing that? <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's yeah. That's right up my alley. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited and I'm excited to read it and, and I'm prepared to be annoyed at myself at every good chance. <laughs> um, yeah, that could have been, that could have been my book, but yeah. Yeah. It's still good. You know, Maybe maybe somebody will take a, a figure out how to tweak it a little bit and, and do it. Something. You know, I've had idea. people tell me that you know, like some of the stuff, that, potential book ideas. But you know, a book is a big, a big mm. commitment. You know, yeah. it's not like oh, I'll write an article on that. The book is a, a book is a thing. Do you think you'd ever write one? Um, possibly. Um, I've had. I've had people approach me about a couple of different things and um, some of them I've, I've thought would really make good books, but you know, it's just, it's such a time commitment. I've talked to, you know, I have friends who have written, I, I lots of friends who have written books and some of them say it's great. And some of them say it's awful and I'd never do it again. So mm. it kind of depends on, you know, publishing and we're self publishing and all those different things. So, yeah. And what stage of life you're in as well. Um, yes. Yes. With the two and a half year old, there will not be a book written. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. So um, let's talk about baseball 2021 in general. And maybe we'll talk about the Cardinals in specific, but coming off of whatever last year was, yeah. what do you see for this season? Are there things that you're going to be looking for? I mean, there's, the thing I'm most excited <clears throat> about is just having people there, you know, going to the ballpark again, selfishly going to the ballpark again. I mean, I actually, I moved to St. Louis, moved back to St. Louis in at the end of September 19. And part <laughs> of the reason was to be at the ballpark every day in 2020. Never. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Never thinking that might not happen um, right. for any reason. But yeah, so I'm just looking forward to, to being at the ballpark and seeing fans and seeing people enjoy baseball again. Is there? Go ahead, Al. Will that be in a professional capacity? I'm sorry. What was that? Will that be in a, in a professional capacity? Oh yeah, St. Louis. I will the be. Time? I will be down there at the ballpark um, with my baseball my BBWA credential that. That's awesome. Unused last year. So I'll be down there doing that as, as much as I can, at least for parts of most games, I would say. Do you, on a typical season, travel much, you know, seeing other games? It's changed a lot over the years. Um, the, you know, I'll go for like the All-Star game and, and the postseason. Um, there are fewer and fewer trips um, for just regular season stuff, you know, part of this, cause it's just, the game is, is different now. You know, you, you can have access in different ways. Um, you know, especially with zoom now, you know, there's not as much of a reason mm-hmm. to be there. It's just, a, you still get the interview and the access. It's just a different way to watch the game on TV versus being in person, you know, and I think it's still better in person, but, um, you know, it, it's just when you're talking about, you know, companies and travel budgets and whatnot, you know, they're, they're, um, they're, 
judgments to be made. And so oftentimes that does kind of fall into the, the way of not going somewhere. But, you know, I mean, in before this year, I've gone to spring training every year for the past know, 10, 12 years, something like that. Um, so that was weird not to go this year. I was actually in Florida when everything kind of went right before everything went crazy. You know, I remember I was at the, the Astros camp the first day that we weren't allowed to shake hands with the players, you know, because I remember I went up to Josh Reddick and I was like, Hey, Josh, can I ask you a question? He's like, yeah, sure. And he's reached out his hand to, to shake my hand. And I was like, Oh wait, no. And he like, stuck <laughs> out his elbow. He's like, I guess this is what we're doing now. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, by the, the day I got back is when, the Rudy Gobert thing happened and mm. the NBA canceled the game. And then, yeah, yeah, it was just crazy how everything, how quickly everything changed. Yeah. Cause it was what the, it was the next day. I remember that it, the Cardinals were playing the Marlins and Wayne yeah. Wright's pitching and it, everybody knew that at the end yeah. of this game, there was going to be no more baseball for a right. while. And you're like, Why are they still out there? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> was it, it was the last sporting event, wasn't it? I mean, because yeah. all the conference tournaments had, had canceled, you yeah. know, yeah. It's, I think it, it's nuts. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was weird. But um, so uh, obviously there's all the stuff that from last year that the teams are still going to have to deal with. But then there's this thing called the CBA at the end of the year. Is yeah. there a dark cloud over this season because of that for you, do you think? Or is it something that is really just going to kind of hit more like after the season? Uh, I, it's It's there. It's it's over everything now. Mm-hmm. You can you ignore it? Yeah, you know if you want to, you can ignore it because it's not going to change the way this year is. Um, well, except for the fact that you actually have uh, no DH this year directly because the CBA expires at the end of this season. You know that's why neither side wants to budge on that, even though both sides want the DH there. Um, Major League Baseball tried to include that as a uh, tried to pretend that it was a big concession for the owners and wanting expanded playoffs and all those other things they asked in the proposal that the MLB PA turned down. So if there was no CBA at the end of the year expiring, there would be the DH in the NL yeah. year. Um, that's why it's not there. Uh, and they still say, you know, I mean, the MLB PA is still open to it changing, which is crazy a couple days ahead of. Um, yeah. Of, uh, the New York Times, Tyler Kepner wrote that today. The, the, they're still open, and the MLB is positioned as well. It's not happening now. We gave them a chance, which is is a little bit crazy logic. But um, yeah, so it, it's yeah, it's it's. I, I just can't wait for it to the game to start and to get down there and to, to be back to some sort of <clears throat> normalcy, which is something that we really haven't had for way too long. That's true. That's true. The, uh, yeah, it's one of those, it's tough to be optimistic about it just because I thought that, you know, the pandemic short shortened season last year would give them a ample reason to negotiate, give their hand out to one another when, you know, virtually, I guess, and then, you know, find a little bit of uh, common ground. And I feel like it's made it worse. And uh, now you just can't break any ice at all to get any movement. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I think it's both sides know that it's not going to be pretty. Yeah. They don't want to give anything. And I, I hate, I hate that. That's not what it should be Yeah, on, on either side. Um, but that, that's, 
that's what it is right now. And it's, it's hard to get away from that. Being in the national scene, do you think there's plenty of blame to go around? Equal blame to go around, I guess we should say. Um, I think there is blame to go around. I, I, I tend to not think it's fully equal. Okay. I think, yeah, that's kind of how I feel, but yeah. Um, no. there, there are mistakes that have been made um, by both sides and there have been calculated gambles that have gone wrong. Um, you know, the MLBPA in the last CBA probably gave away a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that has, that is, that has shaped a lot of what is going to happen at this time to try to get some of that back. And while MLB is going to try to expand on, on what they got last time, which, you know, they should from a business perspective, it, you know, it's not great for, fans who are going to watch the yeah shut <laughs> down which is not what anyone really wants but yeah you know i mean it's um it, it has the potential to be ugly unfortunately i hope it doesn't happen i hope but yeah I, i'm not super optimistic <laughs> it's a lot more fun to write articles about you know games and and players than it is i hate contract law stuff. it is not it is not fun in any way shape or form <laughs> Cannot, can't imagine. Um, is there a team that really can contend with the Dodgers this year? Because um, it still feels like, I know the Padres have done a lot, but it still feels like they're kind of, you know, head and shoulders above a lot of other teams. They're, they're so good. <laughs> I mean, even if they would not have gone out and gotten Trevor Bauer, they're still so good. I mean, we're, we're looking at, Right, I mean, the battle for the fifth starter is is Dustin May, Tony Gossett, <laughs> David Price. I mean, Dustin May would be a two on a lot of staff, yeah, for oh, yeah. teams, you know. And he's he might be a long relief guy. I I don't know. It's it's mind boggling. I mean, and you can never have too much pitching. You know, there's no doubt about it. You can never have too much pitching. And the Dodgers had room to go out and, in their budget to go out and get Trevor Bauer, and they did because they you know they don't want to win just one; they want to win two. You know, and there are a lot of thoughts on Trevor Bauer. You can think whatever you want, but um, he, he definitely, if he pitches the way he did last year, he's definitely a, a big, um, I mean, he's a, he's an improvement, but there's, there's, that was a pretty good team beforehand. But, you know, to answer your question, I think I think the Padres are the team that are is best suited to beat uh, the Dodgers in the postseason. Um, I don't think anyone is going to catch them in the regular season. I mean, I say that, and I and I add that the Padres are absolutely capable of winning 100 games, and it wouldn't surprise me if they did that. And they're still not going to be close to catching the Dodgers. I mean, we're talking, this is just um, a really good team. I actually talked to um, Cody Bellinger yesterday in an interview, and he was talking about how you know they're, they 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 want to get that second one. They're they're motivated. They're not you know all these all these cliches and whatnot, but I mean, I think they really are a team that is, is set up to, you know, win, not just one, but um, multiple titles over the next couple of years. Yeah. And they're, they're just so deep. I mean, yeah. you bring up may and you know, Gavin Lux gets forgotten Yeah, and they are so deep. I mean, he was one of the better players I've seen come through the Texas league in the last six, seven years. Pretty easy. I mean, he was, he was transformative toward the end of, you know, he just, you knew he was too good for double a, and I mean, they're, I mean, good. he may be back in Oklahoma City. You know, I mean, you never know. They're that deep. It really is. It really is crazy. I mean, I, 
I, I don't know how they're going to get everybody at bats, how they're going to do all these things. Yeah. But I think, you know, I, I think when you have a, a culture and a kind of a, a situation like they do, I mean, everybody understands that the goal is to win a world series. And, and if, if your role isn't <coughs> what you want it to be in June, that doesn't mean you're not going to play a big part in October. You know, so I think everybody under, there understands that and they're, they're, they're keeping that in mind as they, as they work towards that, that ultimate goal, which is repeating. You know, the Dodgers tend to be that model team now. I mean, you know, what, eight, nine straight division titles and, yeah. you know, uh, now a World Series title with it. But it wasn't that long ago that the Cardinals were kind of that team yeah. that everybody kind of looked toward. Um, what changed for St. Louis, do you think? I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard to be that good, that consistent for that long. You know, you have to have a lot of things go right. You know, if you're looking at the Cardinals, you can, you know, I mean, you, you can tie a lot to, you know, with what happened with Oscar Tavares. You know, it started mm-hmm. with I mean, this is the kid that was going to be a star. You know, he had everything about him, like the, what he did, his flair for the dramatic. You know, he was going to be that guy that, that replaced Pujols as a, you know, as kind of that offensive centerpiece. You know, I'm not saying he was going to be as good as Pujols was in his time in St. Louis, because that's ridiculous. Pujols in his years in St. Louis was insanely good. Um, but he was going to be the guy that they kind of built around, you know, and they've had issues in the outfield ever since. Um, you know, they've had to, they had to make moves to try to replace that and that, you know, took areas of strength away. And, you know, that's not to say if, if Oscar Tavares stays at home that night that the Cardinals still win all those, those games. And it was a horrible, horrible thing, you know, but it, it was a, a, a player that they lost that they, you know, that was going to be that type of, of, of person and that type of player. So, you know, I, mean, I think there, there's some of that, there's injuries, there's guys not developing and there's, you know, I feel like in the last couple of years, every outfield choice that they've made, who they're keeping and who they're giving, who they're training away has kind of backfired a little bit on them. Um, so, you know, it's decisions like that, guys that don't pan out. Um, prospects are your own that you either overrate or underrate. And um, it, it's, it's just hard. It's hard to be that good for that long where you're consistently a World Series threat. But, you know, they've done a really good job of not bottoming out. You know, and I think there's something to be said for that as well. Were you surprised at the big trade then for, for Nolan Arenado? Um, yes and no. Anytime you have a, a deal of that magnitude, it's a little bit surprising. Um, I'm not surprised that the Rockies moved him. Um, I am surprised <clears throat> that they did not get more for him, considering how much money they included. You know, because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, it's usually one or the other. And the Rockies, <laughs> both of them, um, the Rockies are a front office and the organization has a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. It really showed up, I think, in that period. That's, you know, whether or not Nolan Arenado finishes his career as a Hall of Famer in St. Louis or not, you know, that was a great move by John Mozalek, um for a lot of reasons. You know, things don't always pan out as you think, but for what he did to get the guy he did for the way that he matches up with the Cardinals needs in 2021 and beyond. Um, it really was just a, a brilliant, brilliant move. Is that enough for them to be the favorites then? I mean, I know Milwaukee yeah. made some moves, but I, I think so. I, I, in the, in the central, yeah, I, I think they were before that, to be honest with you. Um, and that's not, 
I'm not saying a lot. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, if you were if you were going to hit that 85, 86 win plateau, you were probably the favorite in that division. You know, I think now they're 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 better than that a little bit. You know, you need the pitching to be um, good. You know, Kim hasn't had the greatest spring. Um, you know, Wainwright's looked great. I watched most of his last start. You know, just phenomenal out there. Um, you know, Jack Flaherty, is he going to be the guy that he was in 2019? Um, or is he going to be the guy that, you know, and obviously there are a lot of extenuating circumstances in 2020, but is he going to be that guy who's not the lights out stopper? Um, you know, there, there are questions. They, I feel like they have arms, but this spring hasn't been the greatest for those arms. Um, and that's going to go a long way because their defense, I think, is going to be solid. You know, their, their offense is better with Arenado. They still need to find some sort of offense from the outfield. Um, they need Tyler O'Neill to, to play like he did in the spring. They need Dylan Carlson to be the guy that they think he can be. Um, they might just need to give up on Harrison Bader. Um, I, I'm not sure. I still feel like he has the potential to be that, but it's it's been a while now, you know, and he hasn't been that consistent guy that they've, they've wanted or needed for, for a while now. So, you know, they'll need some more offense from somewhere, but I think they, you know, they have the pieces certainly to get into the postseason, and then the postseason, anything can happen. And that, I mean, they're positioned, wouldn't you say to make a move in, uh, you know, at the deadline now yeah. more yeah. so than they were to where they, they have the pieces to where it's like, Hey, we did, we can upgrade somewhere. Yeah. And I'm kind of hoping that's what it has, but you know, they haven't in the past few, few years, but also you haven't had those tempos in the, uh, middle of the lineup either to do it yeah you know i think that, and that makes a difference too and i think you know when you when you make a trade like that for nolan arenado you're not going halfway in you know yeah. not you know the the phrase that i'm sure mosaic wishes he had never said the low-hanging fruit yeah what was it five six years ago that's not mm-hmm. picking up five or six low-hanging fruits and then hoping that one of them pans out this is you made the trade for arenado you're 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 trying to win a world series you know so i feel like there's more of a of the motivation behind that. Yeah. Good point. This year. And, and you know, not just this year, because it's not like they want him to only be there for one year. Um, but I think that I would be more surprised if they don't do anything if this off season or mid season trade deadline than in a couple of the years past. If, if nothing else to show Nolan, it's a little bit different in St. Louis than it is. Right. In Colorado. I think if, yeah. if he goes through another, Disappointing trade deadline in here. Wait, I thought I left Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, me. Um, Ryan, it's been a lot of fun. Is there any last little bit, anything else about the season that's coming up that that you want to talk about or are excited about? Um, I don't know. I'm excited to see the young guys. I'm excited to see Tatis with his big contract kind of show what what he can be finally see him for a full season. I feel like, I feel like he's been in the spotlight for a while now, but I mean, he's played, you know, 50 games last year, 55 last year. And like, what was it? 70, 80 the year before, before he got into it. I'd, I'd like to see him in full season. You know, that what, what I, what I love about every season is the guys that you didn't see coming. The guys that have a great first month or a great first half. And you see at the all-star game and you're like, I'm not sure I'd heard of him before. So, you know, the guys that come out of nowhere, that, that's what I like the most about baseball because you get that every year. You know, we can go out there and say, yes, I predict that Mike Trout is going to win the American League MVP. Well, that's not – It's he's exciting to watch. It's not exciting to pick. It's not surprising. We want to be surprised. You know, baseball offers the eternal opportunity to be shocked. 
and we mm-hmm. see it all the time. And that's what I love. And that's, you know, the thing that I'm most hoping for. And it sounds weird to say the thing I'm most excited for is the thing I don't know, but it's, it's the truth. <laughs> and that's the beauty of being back too. Yeah. You know, that's uh, the things that we missed last year just because it seems so convoluted in the short time. Uh, last question for me, what, uh, what's your updated final four? Updated final four. Well, let's just put it this way. I, three, I saw four, your three of the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> three of the four teams I had at the, yeah. Oh, we're gone by the second round. Well, I'm an Oklahoma State, you know, backer, so I I, I checked it. So man, I I I was I was looking for, and I, I know I wrote this. I was looking forward to that Illinois Oklahoma State game. I thought, that oh was yeah, the best game of the tournament. And you you could have taken all of my money if you would have made me bet that neither team would get to that second that second round. That yeah, round. yeah, that's well, and I have no doubt that's why Oklahoma State was a four. So like it, so the narrative could be written in, in that game. I think that the NCAA wanted that too. Yeah, that would that. I mean that that's crazy. You know, we have a um, we have with um, the 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 Fagan family. You know, my dad's side. We have a, a bracket every year, and the winner gets. <laughs> Something I don't know. I've never won, and the, the loser finishes <laughs> last has to wear the pink bunny costume from. Oh man! And they yeah. have to run the St. Patty's Day race the next year wearing that. So all you really want to do is not finish last. So um, when I finished, when I lost three of my first four teams, my final four teams, I was like, "Oh crap! I'm afraid to check the standings." But it was so crazy that I'm still in good shape, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to win, but I'm not going to probably not going to wear the bunny suit. I, I don't think it's mathematically possible for me to, to lose at this point, which is good. good. As long good. as, as long as Gonzaga gets to the, I mean, really, as long as Gonzaga wins like one or two more games, I think. I'm yeah. Wow. That's a that's a fun tradition. It sounds that's like. awesome. It's only it's only because I haven't had to wear the bunny costume yet. Right, right. The year <laughs> that you, if you ever have to, I've, I've been fun. I've been closer to that than I have been because I can't resist. Like because the smart play is to just pick the the go with the the favorites, the hot, the yeah. time. But man, it's hard to pick a bracket and not have upsets. You know. Yeah. yeah. But when you pick an upset that doesn't pan out, and then you have a team like, you know. Texas losing in the first round and you had them yeah. going far, you know, the combination of that makes it a little bit dangerous, but you know, I, I, I can't, I can't pick a talk bracket. I just, I, I can't, I'm not physically capable of doing that. <laughs> I, love, I love the tournament too much to, to do that. Awesome. Well, and, and you know, next year when you actually maybe travel to it, then you'll know where the upsets are going to be. Exactly. And, and, and I have absolutely picked the bracket based on where I'm going to be. And I, <laughs> I did not pick um, UMBC to beat Virginia. I, I'm not going to claim that no. I said that, but um, yeah. Oh, me. Ryan, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, look forward to continue to read you throughout the, the year and uh, to keep watching the baseball cards come up. Yeah, it was fun. Man. Thanks for having me. I apologize for a little bit of coughing here, but I'm still trying to not a problem. get over a little, a little something. So That's all right. I, you said you were... I was imagining you opening cough drops, not uh, baseball cards. Oh, yeah. So, I, I, I mean, it works perfect. I should have. <laughs> my brain is always using baseball cards. So. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks Ryan. Thanks. Appreciate it. Palisade, the second for one. The double play. What a double play by Ozzie Smith. Oh, mercy. 
And we, again, thank Ryan for, for joining us. That was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, again, the, the idea of a St. Louis kid coming up to write for Sporting News, which has you know, been so iconic in baseball and is stored in, in, you know, headquartered in St. Louis, it's got to be pretty amazing, like he was talking about. So, um, but being that Ryan was more of a national perspective, we didn't want to have him get too bogged in the weeds with what the Cardinals are doing and um, the biggest thing right now, of course, is the fact that Harrison Bader is going to start the year on the IL with his forearm issue, getting a injection of platelet-rich plasma, um, which Alan is going to discuss <laughs> right now if he's, if he's ready for it. I know that you know you've got a background; you understand a little bit more about this, and I think we've talked about this before. But let's let's go over it again. Oh, yeah, I get on my soapbox on this quite a bit. And like I said, I will tell you, I am no expert on the deal. Yeah, it would probably be better to talk to a physician about it. But what I do know is I did sell the centrifuge systems for a long time that actually produces your PRP. What it is, is if any, if you don't know, and you can do any Google search and find this, and, you know, it's a, it's an IV draw where you spin it down under a, under a set amount of time, and it, and it, uh, and it releases your platelet poor for your platelet rich, which gives you your growth factors, and that's injected for uh, yeah anti-inflammation and and a little bit of healing. The problem is, is the fad about twenty years ago was that man it was the all end, and then the studies came back where it wasn't great, and it kind of went out of the out of its way. Then they kind of changed the system, and they start doing those again. And and it's funny to me now that that is kind of the lower end of the it's the high end of the conservative, it's the lower end of the aggressive factor mm-hmm. or um, approach to uh, to uh, treatment. Uh, these hardly ever come back well. Um, after the, uh, I, you know, Michaelis last year, you know, Bader this year, and we could probably do 10 players that we've heard this about in the past uh, five or six years that have had this done. And and I always text my buddies that, uh, you know, either the, the orthopedic PAs or the orthopods themselves and say, hey, listen, what really happens on this? And you'll get a 90%, um, 90% of the guys that respond back to you are all – the stuff never doesn't work. You know, it's it's worth a try, but it never works. So it's tough to be optimistic about these things. And we've kind of seen with Michaelis that it, it didn't work at all. So I'm always apprehensive when I hear these and feel like it's going to be, you know, it, it, this first month is going to be not doing anything. You know, you're yeah. trying to cut down on inflammation and you, there's not going to be no there will be very little movement at all. And uh, I just don't expect to see much of him before the all-star break. And you can kind of do the math and it, 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 it seems to make sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're talking, like you said, sitting for a month brings you to, you know, kind of close to the end of May anyway, um, or into April anyway. And the minor league season doesn't start till May 4th. So, I mean, we have seen the Cardinals do, you know, send a guy for a rehab assignment that lasts like two days. Um, I don't know that that's what they want to do with Bader. Um, assuming even, and again, that's assuming at the end of a month, he could pick up a bat and go, and there's going to be a little bit more than that. Right. I mean, there's going to be some building up a strength. Oh and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all that before they put him into a rehab assignment. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it feels like. I would think, yeah, I would think six weeks before baseball activities would be my yeah. guess. So I think. What, June 1st, probably earliest you would expect him to be back in St. Louis, and that's probably aggressive? I would think so. Yeah, that's yeah. What, whenever we heard it, and considering that it's bothered him all spring, that it's probably pretty substantial. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. And, I mean, 
given Vader's background, given the spring, of course, it's hard to judge anything on the spring if you're converting the whole time. Completely agree. Um, you know, there is a little bit of, you know, is this baseball kind of sorting out the problems, you know? Yeah. Um, now it would seem like you're going to get a starting um, outfield of O'Neill and Carlson and probably what Justin Williams um, mm-hmm. to start with. Um, Lane Thomas, I don't know. You know, I wrote about it this week. I, I think Lane Thomas probably winds up getting the option out, um, but maybe he stays um, and Dean goes down. I, I don't know. We can worry about that later. But, you know, that's not the, the outfield that we thought we were going to get. Huh. And it's, but it, I mean, it might be, turn out to be a better one than we thought we were going to sure. get. Yeah, I, I do think that there's opportunity here, and that's usually a good situation. I, they're, they're, my question is, what are we not seeing with Lane Thomas? I feel I felt like this would be a situation to where Thomas was going to be handing a lot of at-bats and Williams was going to have to prove that, that he could handle it on the roster or hit his way into the starting lineup. I don't feel like that's necessarily the case now. I kind of feel like the Carlson move is going to be permanent until, or semi-permanent until uh, Bader gets back and we start seeing him a little bit closer and Williams is going to get the majority of time in, in right field that or, or worse, it could be Edmund. But uh, that's, I, I just kind of wonder, I feel pretty high about Lane Thomas and feel like that he would fit that gap pretty easy. But I just don't feel like that's an option right now, and I kind of it kind of makes me wonder why. Well, looking at at bats, just I mean, for what that's worth, he does have thirty three at bats this spring, which ties him with Matt Carpenter for eighth on the team. About three more than Justin Williams, a uh, few more than Harrison. I didn't realize Harrison Bader had got twenty eight. Honestly, yeah. um, I felt like he'd been out longer than that. But um, you know, I, I guess part of it is. He does have the option, you know, um, and they weren't 100% sure that Justin Williams was going to. That does appear that he's going to get that fourth Mm -hmm. option, Um, but they weren't really expecting that. Um, And so I think they were just going to give Williams every bit of opportunity um, to try to make the team because they didn't have any any other option, you know. Um, That may be part of it. Um, You know, we know – We've talked about this before, how Thomas struggled last year, at least it seemed like because of his COVID, you know, and that's, that was kind of the reporting after the season that the COVID had really kicked him in the butt. Um, and he still was having issues with it even in September. So you kind of thought maybe he'd come to spring and be fully healthy. Maybe he's still recovering a bit from that. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, and there's the idea that, you know, Lane Thomas, you know, what we saw in 19 before he got hurt was, you know, maybe the best that you could ever help him. And that's just, he's never going to get back to that. Um, I don't know. I feel like he's got a chance, you know, he could come up at any time. I mean, my roster, I was kind of sketching out, had Austin Dean. It's like the bench bat outfielder, but you could see him and Dean switching around because they both have options. Um, you know, when Harrison Bader does come back, that throws another wrench in the works, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit, I mean, of course, you know, he didn't take, you know, didn't, uh, you know, he's not been Tyler O'Neill this spring, right? I mean, he hasn't, you know, he's seven for 33 instead of 14 for 38, you know, and it's, I know that's, you know, just a rough sketch there, but um, he hasn't had it. He hasn't grabbed a hold of the opportunity 
Now, whether they've given him enough of one, that's a different story, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it seems like it seems he played a lot early, you know, and then mm-hmm. uh, kind of hit a dry spell, which may may factor into that a little bit. I don't know. It's 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 funny. I I just felt like it was a quick um, it was a quick move to uh, to kind of move Carlson and, and to prep him for a uh, for a for a majority of the center field reps right away. You know, that was, that was kind of what I would, it surprised me that that was so quick. And I knew that it, that, that Thomas had kind of fallen off a little bit, but I didn't think it was that substantial to where he was non-existent in the, in the equation. Now he has played, he has played a lot of late inning games, you know, and the the second part of games too. And, and that's probably, the bigger part of the uh, showcase at this point, but, you know, being we're within three games, they go Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then they're to Cincinnati, right? Yeah. I think they have Tuesday and Wednesday off. And then, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'll double check that, but I'm thinking you're right. Keep going. Yeah. And then, well, now I was going to say, so I would think a lot of these decisions have been, have probably been made at this point, yeah. which it, it just surprised me that it happened so quickly. Well, and you gotta, I mean, it kind of boils down to this, right? We talk about it all the time that spring training stats mean nothing. Yeah, absolutely. But then we expect no. them to make their decisions on the fact that somebody's hitting the ball. Well, you, you know, I think, well, no, I was talking with Josh Gilliam this week um, about the Rondon versus Sosa issue. Uh-huh. You know, Bernie laid it out pretty well, I think, too. You know, they've had Sosa on the 40-man roster for three or four years now. They're unlikely to cut him over, you know, 15 at bats in spring training, better, mm-hmm. better bat. I mean, Jose Rondon is doing well, um, but he, you know, he's got a major league track record. That's not necessarily the greatest. I mean, there was a reason he was out there on the, you know, able to sign a minor league contract. Not again, I'm not saying that you can't put some sort of weight in these, but we tend to dismiss them until we want to use them to, you know, decide that last yeah. spot roster. Yeah. And there's so many more things that go into it. Sure. And, and you know what? I, I I guess we're all kind of guilty of this, but I feel like I am. I, I know that I am. To where you only really latch on to the ones that are atrocious or the ones that are awesome. Right. You right. know, in spring and the ones in between, you kind of discredit right away and say, well, that, that doesn't matter. You know, I know that there's enough advanced metrics out there now that, that tell where the guys are hitting the ball hard and, you know, the tough luck aspect of it. And they take in some of the wet, the Florida weather, you know, right. and things right. like that. But, you know, that can be, that can kind of seem like smoke and mirrors real quickly. And uh, not saying that they're there, that we're being force fed negative things, but uh, you know, I feel like knowing that you have a full season to figure some things out, I feel like, the, the path of least resistance gets chosen a lot in those situations. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, the samples are so small. I'm looking at the, looking at it right here. Paul Goldschmidt is hitting 268 this spring, which I mean, again, batting average, whatever, but you look at that and you think that's not bad. I mean, it's, you know, you want a little bit more, but that's fine. No, Arnado is hitting 195. You think, man, under 200. The difference is three hits. I mean, they, they both have 41 at-bats. So the difference is, you know, three hits over this two- or three-week span. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, we're not just using batting average and stuff like that, but I think it just shows that, you know, one or two hits in a bad spot, you know, 
you know, we've seen Arnado get into a couple of balls that have been caught, you know, yeah. the wind, knock it down or whatever. You know, if, if even just one of those goes over the wall, you know, his slugging probably doubles for the spring. Um, and you don't worry about it with guys like that because you know, their track record. I mean, you, you don't really worry about it. There's that idea of, Oh man, we just traded but you know, still for the most part, you don't really think trade yeah. about it. Um, it's just so hard to know what to take out of this. And, you know, again, that's why, that's why salary matters. That's why contract status matters. That's why, you know, where you rank in the organization matters. I mean, if all things are equal, then yeah, spring training stats might make a difference, but I just, I think we've seen enough times. Ben Kodar was on with Alex, Chris Afuli on Terps this week while Tara was gone. Um, And Ben, listed out you know the people that had led the team in in hitting and pitching over the last 10 years and it's just a random hodgepodge of names i mean sometimes they're good players and sometimes they're players you didn't even remember you know um just because you have a good spring i mean doesn't mean that it's going to continue on or maybe you'll have a good april and and that's it you know jeremy hazelbaker comes to mind um so i don't know that i want an organization making decisions on 40 spring at bats yeah i don't know um, yeah, I mean, you. It's it's one of those situations to where you love the Nagowski Hazel Baker mm-hmm. stories, but it, you you the angst starts with the Carpenter stories. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I remember I remember in the '90s, Ozzy having an atrocious spring, mm-hmm. and then you start hearing the end is near type situation. And you end up having a pretty good season, but uh, but it's it's and and maybe I'm speaking in circles here. I don't know, but but it's just tough to differentiate the good from the bad when you really don't know what, well, how they're basing this, the decisions. Right. Off of that. And that goes back. I mean, when you say Aussie in spring training, of course you always think about the, the 96 spring training, which yeah. only Royce comes in and, and, huge, and yeah. Royce Clark and Clayton's in and he says, whoever wins the competition is going to win. But as we've said, that competition, and we've said it about a lot of different ones, not just that. Oh one, yeah. Yeah. The thumb on the scale, you know, and that was, <laughs> yeah. Clayton, Clayton didn't have, Clayton just had to just, be serviceable yeah. and he was going to win. It wasn't necessarily like he was, you know, and Ozzy had a great spring and, and I get that, that maybe that should have been communicated a little bit better or whatever. Um, but, you know, to the difference, again, the difference is so small that, you know, a great spring, you know, it's like, yeah, you had a great spring, but you're also 42, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and shortstop. So, you know, this guy didn't have as great of a spring, but it's enough that, we're going to let him be the starter. And again, I'm not sure that's the way it would have gone. I don't know that it obviously wasn't handled the right way, but you can understand where they're coming from. Yeah. Yeah, completely. So. And it's uh so yeah, it, it's, it's funny. I mean, are, are your, is your guess that Nagowski, Nagowski makes the team? I think so. I agree. With the way, I mean, it, and it's kind of funny to say that after I've just railed on spring training stats. No, but, I agree. No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's yeah. it's 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 convoluted, but I, I think you and I are on the same page on this. Yeah, and I think that you know, I think if Bader wasn't was healthy, and you know, it might be a little different story. Um, there are definitely scenarios where he would not have made the team, and in fact, if he wasn't, if they hadn't added him to the forty man roster last year. I don't know if he makes the team. Yeah, um, he probably does. I think they have a spot, and and I think there's enough. There's not enough batters to push him out right now. 
So I think he gets two. I think he gets a chance to be that bench bat. I don't know how many times we'll see him in the outfield. Um, I know they tried him out there this this week, and I don't think anything disastrous happened, but I don't think we'll see him out there very much. But I do think he's going to be a guy that they're going to try to use as a pinch hitter and you know get those occasional starts here and there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of feeling, I feel like he's about the only one that's going to sneak on the roster that we don't really expect to make the roster, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I know I completely agree. I think that, uh, you know, I, th- there was a, ch- there was a chance that they probably wanted Rondon a little bit, but I think that ship's kind of yeah. sailed. Uh, yeah. and, and I, then- I mean, and these guys, I mean, it's not like, you know, Rondon, um, and some of these others, Thomas, whatever, it's not like they're going to be, you know, gone. No, I mean, they're yeah, going to be available if somebody gets hurt or, you know, something of that nature. They're going to they're going to have an opportunity. I would be I would not be surprised. Let me say this: I would not be surprised to see Jose Rondon at some point in time, this season, maybe even in the first month. Yeah, completely uh, agree. Yeah. So, um, turning to the pitching side, you know, nothing much happened in the way of. I mean. Miles Michaelis has been ruled out. I think we we even talked about that maybe last week. Um, KK is supposed to pitch. I don't know if he's going to get into a game before the end of spring training or not. That's what supposed, I, supposed to be that, ready for. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard he's going to go three innings before they leave. Okay, um, but he's supposed to. You know, obviously, I guess he'll be the the fourth starter, which would be um, what the first game of the Miami series, probably. Um, after Cincinnati, yeah, obviously he's going to yeah. selfish reasons. <laughs> so let me, let me figure this out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but even so, I mean, that's a, he's an opener the first time or two, basically, yeah. right? I mean, he's only going to go two, three innings maybe. Um, and then there's that fifth spot and. Very easily uh, got tied up though. I think that's a one job right now, to be honest with you. Say so what? I think that job has been one. Yeah, well, who do you think's got it? Uh, Gant. I, I, I think you're probably right. I mean, I can understand that you would be uh, that, but there's still a lot of there was a lot of positive press out of a terrible start for uh, <laughs> Ponce de Leon that I well not put, though. I didn't think about that. I am not completely ruling him out them thinking that Gant's more valuable in the bullpen yeah yeah that's in the back of my mind I I I think that he's going to get the first shot and the reason I think that because I feel I feel like that that ultimately that's probably what they do think but I think that they either had to go all in or back out I don't about a week and a half ago and I felt like they've gone all in on the starting portion of it yeah, I mean, Zachary Silver's writing a little bit about that start. And even here, it says he's looking likelier by the day that he'll be in the rotation. And, uh, you know, again, if KK's out, obviously both of them are making it. But, yeah. you know, I, I could easily see that them at least starting with Ponce. Um, and, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that I'm afraid he's going to walk everybody in the, in the, the all 12,000 people that are sitting in the stands, it wouldn't be that bad of a deal. Yeah, it's frustrating to see the, the strikeout ability that he has, but just the, the rain and the, the control. It, it's tough. I mean, you know, I know that I get on my soapbox on this one a little bit, too. Yeah, you've got me fired up tonight. Well, you know, that's what but, I Yeah, but uh, have you seen a prospect that they think so highly of that you heard so little about, like, comparable to Oviedo this spring. I feel like he is lurking quickly in the rotation 
And I think they're hiding him a little bit. And I think that they're trying not to talk themselves into moving him too quickly. That's just my opinion. That's probably part of it. Um, yeah, so they've already gone ahead and sent him. Yeah, down. he went I quick. Know. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that's well, part not of necessarily it. quick, but I mean, yeah, he only got two innings in camp. So, yeah. Um, now, granted, some of the, I don't know what he did on backfields or something like that. Only two recorded. Yeah, in, in games. Um, yeah, I think there's something to that. Um, you know, we saw a lot of Alviedo. I think they may think he needs just a little bit more. Sure. Um, seasoning. Um, and I don't think they were ever going to take him over Gant, Ponce, maybe even Alex Reyes, even though they've, you know, we know we've, we've discussed the Reyes issue for, yeah. for a while. Um, I just don't think he might be right behind those guys, but I think they'd rather him be at Memphis for a little bit and be in an option if Ponce fails. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, Ponce is, is he out of options? I think he is. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is where you got to figure out what you got with him. Um, so, I mean, either a bullpen or a starter spot. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. I mean, it's a little bit surprising that they moved him so quickly, but um, if he's going to be a starter, you know, at least with Libertor and, and Thompson, who stayed in the camp until, I don't know if they went in the last cuts or the cuts before, um, you know, there's an idea that they could come up and be a reliever and stuff like that. But it feels like, we saw Oviedo last year, you know, he only started and that's probably what he does again this year. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. It's uh, yeah. The, uh, you know, Thompson, Libertor and those guys, they, uh, they were up till last night with Parsons, mm-hmm. you know, until after the Houston game and, and yeah, were, were reassigned. So that, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I just, it's funny because I, I felt like he was, he was going to be in the mix a little bit more. I kind of felt that way about, um, uh, you know, Woodford as well, but I think they see a little bit of benefit of Woodford in the, uh, in the, uh, in the bullpen, but you know, it goes back to it where we don't top line right now. Out, if, if Flaherty's Flaherty and Wainwright pitches like he has this spring and toward the end of our, all of last season, then that's going to mean that top line's pretty good. But what does it show you in overall depth that the, the Memphis rotation could be really good as well? You know, that's yeah. that's that's where I think the Cardinals are in a good situation because they do have a, a wealth of maybe three and four starting pitching. They do. Um, I think a lot of that still needs the seasoning. You yeah. know, I would not want to see as much as as exciting as it is. I don't think I'd want to see Libertor up, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our type of thing. I think he needs a little bit more. I will say it is just given how this spring went. Um I don't know that there was a spot from me you out know, working out the, the 13 man, but I was a little surprised that Tommy Parsons didn't make it till the very last little bit. Uh, you know, they've used him in a couple of spots that have been kind of key moments, yeah. you know, you know, ending one of those terrible first innings that we seem to always be running into. And that's yeah. stuff we can talk about in a minute, but, um, <laughs> but they, you know, sending him down, of course, again, like it was last night. So it's almost to the end of the camp, but um, I thought, and I, and I think he's, he's put himself on the radar to at least be some sort of guy that when they need something, this, you know, a bullpen arm or something of that nature, I don't know that they'd bring him up as a starter, but um, I, I think we'll probably see him at some point in time this year. Sure. I, I would think so. And the, it's, it all, one of those just trying to do the math and I may be completely wrong, but it seems like it, one of those spots may have been down to Whitley and Parsons. Yeah. You know, and Whitley, yeah. Whitley impressed them last year as well. Yeah. And he's a definite, yeah, bullpen piece. Um, let me see. I, what I did earlier this week. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you got your five starters. 
and I had Gann as the starter, but you flip him with Ponce, but then you've got Gallegos, Helsley, Hicks, Miller, Reyes, Webb, and Quitley. Um, you know, that means you guys, you're, but you're right. Hennessy's Cabrera's at, at Memphis may be starting. Woodford's maybe at Memphis starting. Um, Oviedo's probably at Memphis starting. You know, I don't know what they do with Levator and Thompson. Yeah, I don't know. Do they do they bring them up? Do you think? Well, I don't know. And then yeah. I, you wonder about Angel Rendon, and you know, yeah. they yeah, there, there's a lot of names. I mean, it's some of the selfishly I'd like to see in Springfield. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know I said this last time, and I would like kind of like to see uh, uh, Delvin Perez as well. And it may just be asking too much. I mean, you know, Rondo made he in 19 made the move to Memphis. So I can't really see him going back to Springfield either. So, so I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they, it just, I mean, you, we probably named 12 guys right there that yeah. a lot of teams would want. Yeah. Yeah. There's the, there's depth. I mean, you could argue that the depth isn't necessarily the highest level yeah. of depth. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at, you know, three or four, you know, four, five starters right now, yeah. but yeah, this is a point that again, was brought up on terms this week. You know, it helps the Cardinals have a fairly, solid floor you know you're not gonna they're not gonna have to throw a guy out there that's probably gonna give up five or six runs a game you know there are guys that are gonna keep you in ball games you may not win very many games and it may not be all that great but you know they're gonna keep you in a ball game and you know that's all you can hope for especially well, when you're filling in a, a back of a rotation sure and then you know there's a part of it that you're just like well if, if you feel like you can get you know five to six innings every week out of Flaherty and Wainwright, then you know that your bullpen is going to, or you're hoping that your bullpen is going to be good enough to where you can pick up those innings on the other three guys. If, if Kim is not, you know, 2020 KK, you yeah. know, I think there, I think there's a lot of hope in that. And I feel like there's a depth enough to where they feel like they could do that carousel a little bit better this year than they did last year because they have extended any guys. We saw a lot of pitchers last year, of course, no, because man. of the whole issues, yeah. but and so I don't think we're going to reach that level, but there could be a whole lot of different names this year too. Oh, I, I would mean, think, yeah. Now, you know, you also then run the risks of losing people off the 40 man and stuff of that nature. But, you know, at some point down there, there may be a lot, especially if there's injuries and stuff. There may be a lot of people making some debuts. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it could be exciting. It could, I mean, last year it felt out of necessity this year, maybe out of performance. And that's that, that excites me a little bit. And that may be the overly optimistic look on it though. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're we're very much ready to get back to the idea of, of being for performance instead of yeah, uh, uh, just because you have to throw Jesus screws in there or whatever the case may be. Yeah, um, but he had a pretty good spring. I, I don't want to you know dog on him, but uh, you know it wasn't exactly what everybody would have drawn up for for last year. But he yeah. was on the forty man, and so uh, we pretty much used everybody they could there. Um, go into it you know this time next week cardinals will have played their first game um is anything has anything changed your mind this spring from when they've started to where they are now versus their chances or anything like that no no not necessarily it i would have loved to have seen one of the outfielders take off one of the young guys um Mm -hmm. i think that o'neill has done enough to where he's pretty solid in that spot uh, I feel like Carlson, you're, we're going to give him a little bit of rope, but I think he's going to be there too. I really, I, I held out a lot of hope for Lane Thomas, and I still do, just because I think the skill set's there. Uh, each passing day, I may feel a little bit worse than that, but like I said, to, to go full circle on this, I don't know how much weight we can put into spring. I maybe even a situation where he saw that, 
you know, he had lost the left field spot when, by the time they broke camp with O'Neill, you know, and it's one of those to where then you're just like, well, I'm, this is an, this is uphill for me from, from the rest of the time. I mean, he could be one of those players as well, but, uh, but no, even with the, uh, even with the chink and the armor on the pitching, I still feel like there's enough arms and I think the bullpen's going to be good enough to where, uh, to where they're going to be good. They're going to compete in the division. Um, I think you're going to look in six months, and in your in DeYoung's going to be DeYoung. You just hope those highs and lows aren't super, super low. You know, one of those one of those things, and and uh, he can be more of that ancillary piece with uh, with Nolan and, and Goldschmidt being those uh, those stakes in the uh, in the lineup. But I, I mean, I think they're going to be pretty good. I think the uh, I'm kind of coming around on the lineup a little bit more than I was. I'm not. I'm still not the biggest fan of DeYoung cleaning up just because I feel like that's a little yeah. bit of pressure. But but I do think they're going to be really good. I will say about the lineup, and, and I heard Stu Styles on conversations with Saruti, the one episode nine, listen to that one, not episode 10, the one I was on. Um, <laughs> but um, talking about the idea of Carlson up there, the second spot, and we talked yeah. about that a lot this, this yeah. off season. Um, you know, I kind of like that just because I feel like I mean, maybe it's not, maybe it's old school thinking and that he yeah. wouldn't nowadays, but I just feel like he'd see a lot more fastballs there. Yeah. And we saw how much, you know, people, went after him with some off speed stuff. Not that he can't adjust, but you know, getting the chance to maybe see a little bit more people have to pitch him a little bit more traditionally, um, with the big boppers behind him. It could be interesting. But, you know, honestly, if you're not gonna do that, I'm kind of I kinda of like this idea of Goldschmidt uh Arenado um, in the first inning. In second, yeah. third, yeah, first inning and um you know, again, I'm like you, I'm afraid that you get you know, you could see a you know Edmund out; those two guys get on, and then you have a DeYoung strikeout, and then where are you at? Or even a, you know bases loaded and a DeYoung strikeout, and then you get it on play and out of Yachty because he's probably had fifth or something. Yeah. And and it's like, oh, uh, here we go again. Not that it would happen that often, but yeah, I'd like to. I'd really almost. Of course, Tyler O'Neill has the same issue, I guess. I'd almost like to see Tyler O'Neill four, and DeYoung five, and then Yachty. Six. That's that's kind of how I feel. That's what I'd come. What I'd like oh, to see. Yeah. And that you know what? And I, we're eighties and nineties baseball kids too. I mean, I yeah. love the idea of the two switch hitters at the top of the lineup. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. I feel like you could. It, it brings in a lot of excitement. I think that it get, opens up a lot of options. But but yeah, you're right. I mean, I remember in oh man, it was probably it was probably in mid nineties or whatnot, and it was a. I can't remember if. I remember the conversation I was having, but they were like, "Put hit your best two hitters one and two. They hit the most times during the game." And I used to, mm-hmm. I go, "That is stupid. That just looks dumb." You know <laughs> what I mean? One of those situations. Yeah. And now, when you think about it, you're just like, "Well, yeah." In a situation like this, that probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that they're not going to lead off. Yeah, well, you know where I'm going with it. You right. you have your two boppers in the top three, and it and it makes a little bit of sense. Aesthetically, doesn't look great, but but I can kind of understand where they're coming from. I think Goldschmidt can hit anywhere. First of all. You know, and it would be – I hope that we will see at least one time this year, um, you know, Carlson leading off. Maybe it's the day that Edmund's not playing. Um, let Carlson lead off in front of um, Goldschmidt and Arnado, um, because that would be – I think that could be kind of fun as well. You know, I always think about the book that I read the most in when I was growing up um, as a baseball fan was George Will's Minute Work. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and he, in if you haven't read it, my copy is literally falling apart. Yeah. It's one of the few books I have that does that. Um, 
but it's, he, he looked at four aspects of the game through the eyes of the people that were, you know, I uh, looked at defense from Cal Ripken and he looked at pitching from Oral Hershiser because this was written like 89, 90 years right after Hershiser's big yeah. um, streak and um, hitting with Tony Gwynn. Managing was, of course, Tony LaRusso uh, back when he was with Oakland. And I, I think about way he was talking about constructing a lineup and wanting, and we've talked, we, you know, he talked about it when he was in St. Louis too, about damage at the top of the lineup. Always wanted that, you know, he wanted to bat, you know, Carney Lansford second because it was Henderson in front and McGuire behind, you know, is mm-hmm. that, I, you know, you're, you're going to get something to hit. And I guess that probably influences me as well. But the idea of having a guy in Carlson, again, he's got speed, but you're not going to use him that way necessarily, but a guy that could, you know, you can be one to nothing before you know, get off, of, you know, and, sure. and then, and then you got the two big boppers coming up. Um, that idea is, is intriguing as well. Again, I don't expect to see them very regularly, but Every once in a while, I would not mind that at all. Sure, I mean, I, I I do hope we get some some different looks. I think there's a lot of people that are worried about Edmund leading off in general, just getting on base. But he's exciting, yeah. and I mean, he brings an element to the top of the lineup that we haven't seen in a while. You know, I say that Wong was like that as well. So, but uh, yeah, I can understand the, the the apprehension on it. But no, I agree with you. I mean, it's uh, La Russa kind of is the one that 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 started that. If you yeah. remember, you know, in the all-star game, he let off Bo and hit yes. Boggs right behind him for that yep. reason. Yep. Yep. I remember that. I had that. I still have, well, maybe not because I may have gotten rid of all my VHS tapes, but I had that all-star game on, on, oh, uh, it was awesome. on v- yeah. And yeah. it was, uh, I don't know if you remember Ronald Reagan. Was oh on yeah. The call. Yep. <laughs> I guess that was right after he was, it was right after he was out of office. And, well, and yeah, they went back to back, but uh, yeah, you, you know, know you don't remember that. that. You don't remember Box Homer. <laughs> I, you know, I do because I remember he was, uh, Reagan was talking yeah. and, uh, I, yeah, I mean, in talking, general, that, that yeah, gets yeah, but Reagan was talking and, uh, and it was, I guess, in the middle of the story, and Bog sits there. He says, "It looks like that one's going there too," <laughs> you yeah. know. And it did. I mean, yeah, back to back homers off of those guys. Uh, it, it was uh, a different time, of course. Yes. So I don't know. Well, I'm sure we'll see. I think Schultz will be probably pretty standard with his lineups, um, but we'll see enough variation just with days off and in here and there. And if if for some reason lineup doesn't work, I think that he'll be willing to shake it up a little bit too. So. Anyway, next week, again, we will be talking about the first game of the season, and we will be joined by Zachary Silver, uh, the MLB.com beat writer, who just took over, what, right before spring training, I think. So he's new to the gig, doesn't really know that he shouldn't probably come on with us, so (laughs) we got him before he realized what he was getting into, but uh, Zach will be with us, Zachary, I don't know, we'll have to see, I have to see what he goes by, Uh, will be with us next week, Uh, after that, uh, the week after that, we'll have Rob Brains, and then, man, we've had a run of great and I mean, it's gone all the way back, you know, Jason Hill joined us December 31st, and then ever since then, um, boy, Alan, you're gonna be tired and bored to talk just to me. <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah. It, it's funny how quickly it has gone, though. I yeah. mean, that has added to the off season, and uh, it's been fun. Yes, it has. It has. So, again, we'll be with you next week and uh, talking about the beginning of the season. So, until then, that's Alan. I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. They just won't go away.